It's the Happy Families Podcast. It's the podcast for the time poor parent who just wants answers now. We have come so far as a society in relation to our ideology around women and men and gender in general. And yet we've got somebody out here who is like literally out on his own limb and he's building traction. And now here's the stars of our show, my mum and dad. Hello, this is Dr. Justin Coulson, the founder of happyfamilies.com.au and the uh, parenting expert and co-host of Channel 9's Parental Guidance. Season 2 is coming soon. Kylie, I'm here with Kylie, my well, wife. you've been teasing for a while. I've <laughs> been teasing for a long time, you're right. And all I can tell you is it's coming soon. Channel 9 haven't actually told me how soon, but it's coming soon. They keep saying, coming soon. Don't hold your breath. No, I'm holding my breath. Uh, Also, uh, we have received news from my publisher that my brand new book, The Parenting Revolution, will be coming out in the first week of May. First week of May, The Parenting Revolution will keep you updated. Pre-orders will be available soon. Not just yet, but soon. Now, Kylie, I know it's a Monday and we normally talk about a lighter parenting topic, but today... A topic that I think needs to be discussed, uh, I've had a number of people email me about it, I've had a staff member ask me about it, our executive producer Craig has been on to me saying, you've got to talk about this issue. And the issue is a person, Andrew Tate. So today's podcast, for any parent who is wondering what's going on uh, with this guy, is all about Andrew Tate. I'm just going to plead ignorant. Who is Andrew Tate? <laughs> so I'm curious to, like, do you really, you really don't know who he is? No. Haven't heard of him? Okay, so I do live under a rock. Oh, don't be like that. Six children. Yeah, well, it's that. But we've got a whole lot of kids. Okay, so here's the summary of this guy. Initially, he's a sort of a a, a pom slash yank um, who had, I'm going to say, a semi-successful kickboxing career. So there's a whole lot of masculinity wrapped up in the fact that this guy's strong and gets into the ring and tries to beat people up and have people try to beat him up. some years ago, he ended up on Big Brother, but he got kicked off the show for having, I think we could only call it aggressive, intimate relations with a woman. He was beating her with a belt. He was barking commands at her. What? In, in, now, I, I, I've struggled to say the next sentence, but I'm going to say it anyway. In his defence, and, and it's hard to say that, but in his defence, they've both come out on the record and said that it was consensual and it was simply a case of BDSM which is plausible and let's just go with that for now. But Big Brother kicked him off anyway because he was a racist, homophobic, just a, a real horrible guy on social media already. And so the controversy when it came out, when he was on Big Brother, it kind of gave them an easy reason to just kick him off the show anyway. In addition to that, he's I think it's fair to say he's ridiculously abusive and he holds some – not pretty, he holds some disgusting views – uh, I've seen him on TikTok and on YouTube. Where, so he's been banned from pretty much all of these platforms. But so he, how do people know him if he's banned? Because people have gotten his videos when he was there and they just keep on forwarding them and sharing them. And like he still is everywhere, even though he's been banned. People are still sharing his content. So he is still on there, even though it's not him sharing it. But there, there are videos of him saying things like, if a woman accuses you of cheating, you should slap her face hard, grab her in a chokehold and tell her to shut up and then there's some profanities in there and that's that's just one of many that are out there you can source this stuff on tiktok it, it won't take long to find it just do a quick search for that he actually um 
there, there was a video that I saw where he advocates not putting her in a chokehold, but holding a machete to her throat. I mean, the guy's violent, aggressive, and, well, I, I think pretty gross is a real understatement. Beyond that, though, he is a self-confessed misogynist. Uh, like, he, he's happy to say, yes, I am. That That's the word that he uses. A misogynist, for those who are not familiar with the term, is someone who has dislike of or contempt for or an ingrained prejudice against women. So he's on the record publicly as saying, yep, that's me and I'm cool with that. That's who he is. And, of course, the most recent thing was uh, – in fact, a couple of recent things. He got into a big fight and argument with Greta Thunberg uh, around issues to do with the environment. As you know, she's a big environmental activist and he started posting pictures of all of his sports cars and talking about how he doesn't care about the environment at all and he can do whatever he wants because that's the kind of guy that he is. And so they had a big back and forth, which was kind of silly really. And then uh, he was recently he, – he moved to Romania so that he could start an e-brothel with his brother – he said that the police in Romania are less likely to investigate any sexual or domestic abuse in Romania. So I, I don't know anything about Romanian politics and policing and laws, although I know that the country doesn't have the best standards when it comes to uh, policing and, and legal stuff. Uh, it, it may not, it, it may be more corrupt than Australia, is what I'll say. But I'll say maybe because I don't know a lot about it. I have a friend who told me, and I'm just going to go with my friend because he knows more than me about that, that sort of stuff. But he has been imprisoned in Romania, had his home raided over reports of human trafficking. Uh, the guy, I, I, I mean, the guy is just horrible. He's, he's absolutely horrible. That's so I'm trying to understand that if he is everything that you're suggesting that he is, why is there so much traction behind him. Yeah, so I, I read an article just a couple of weeks ago, and I've had several teachers tell me this. As you know, I'm in and out of schools regularly talking to staff. In fact, I was in a school in Adelaide last year, and they wanted me to talk about Andrew Tate without mentioning his name. They said, we basically want to talk to you about who you're being influenced by as a student. And they said, and we know that our kids are being influenced by Andrew Tate, but we don't want you to mention Andrew Tate. And I found a news.com.au article a little while ago, maybe like two weeks ago, where uh, a school teacher basically said, quote, my male students just quote his name. I could be teaching a class about pyramids in Egypt and they'll be like, what do you think about Andrew Tate? Or they'll start chanting his name, which becomes this huge disruption. So what is happening is this guy's got enormous traction, even though he holds these repulsive, repulsive views. An ABC article just came out, I think it was, it was published on Wednesday the 25th. We'll link to it in our show notes. Survey finds a third of teen boys look up to internet celebrity and self-described misogynist Andrew Tate. So this guy is out there, he's everywhere, and it's our boys in particular, not so many girls, but our boys in particular, who say that they're looking up to him uh, and they are they're connecting with a lot of his messaging. So we obviously have a house full of girls. Yeah. But yes. as a result, we actually associate with numerous amount of boys as well. Right. And I have a hard time believing that the kinds of boys that my girls are associating with would feel any identification towards a man who is openly sharing these kind of just disgraceful views. So what is it that's drawing kids to I mean does he have any redeeming qualities I'll share what I think about that after the break 
It's the Happy Families Podcast, the podcast for the time poor parent who just wants answers now. Kylie has asked the question, does Andrew Tate have any redeeming qualities? So this is this is the thing. When it comes to this guy, uh, we put some stuff on Facebook a couple of weeks ago where I raised the topic. And while the overwhelming majority of people, overwhelming majority of people said this guy is just a dirtbag, uh, there were a handful of people, mums and dads, who came to his defence and said, he's not that bad. He actually says some really good stuff. And if you can just ignore the bad stuff, he says some stuff that's really good. So what's really happened here is you've got a guy who's got an outsized online profile. His social media profile was outsized. Obviously, he's been deplatformed by everyone, although Twitter has let him back on now that Elon Musk has taken over there. But he's got this outsized profile and he's said and done a range of things that are, in a word, transgressive. He's saying and doing things that no one else will say. And while many of those things are really terrible, there are actually a whole lot of things that he also says that are not terrible at all. So he's kind of got this quasi-inspirational momentum around him where he's saying, if you get up early and if you do this in the morning, and he kind of steps his followers through a range of things that he thinks can help them to be more productive or to be healthier or to live life to the fullest based on whatever it is. It's just that he's doing it in what I would consider to be essentially a values-free system, particularly as it relates to the way we treat other people. It's very- Women specifically. Women specifically, other people more generally. I mean, he's pretty happy to encourage people to be boys and men, to be brutal to other boys and men as well. It's it's a dog-eat-dog world, and he's, he's absolutely convinced that if you can kick the absolute heck out of somebody, that you're more of a man than they are. So- he is absolutely misogynistic, but he doesn't only recommend that men are unkind, violent, and prejudiced towards women. He recommends that they are like that to one another as well, to be the alpha, to be the top dog. But he does – I mean, I jumped on – I got lost in the Andrew Tate rabbit hole for a couple of hours recently just so that I could really get my head around this guy. And he says a whole lot of things. He's not a good speaker. He's not inspirational at all, but because he's transgressive and because he is the alpha dog – in the eyes of so many young boys. Remember, boys who want status, boys who want to be tough, and boys who want to be transgressive because it gets – it's like their great big middle finger to everyone in their school or everyone in their class or everyone in their community. They get to say, you can't tell me what to do. I'm tough. I can do it because Andrew Tate told me to. So a lot of people are coming to his defense and saying not that big of a deal, but they're missing the worst of what he does or they're downplaying it because apparently there are some – redeeming aspects to some of his messaging in some places. I'm listening to your talk and I honestly, I, my stomach is churning. I'm really struggling to, to sit with any amount of comfortability about who he is and what he stands for. And that's coming secondhand. I'd hate to actually be, you know, engaged in this firsthand. But what intrigues me is that as we go throughout life, we find ourselves in unfamiliar settings. We find ourselves in places where um, we're not sure where things fit with our value systems. And as an adult with maturity and life experience, more times than not, we're able to, as one parent, you've actually obviously said already, one parent is you're able to take the good and leave behind the bad you're actually able to separate in spite of the fact they might come from the same place. You're able to say, you know what, this actually works for me. This sits really well with my value system. But this stuff over here, I'm going to leave this to the side. This doesn't fit. But when when we're talking about teenagers and, and boys in particular, and we know that 
you're the psychologist, so you probably explain it a bit better than me, but we, we know that their brains don't, they're not fully formed yet, that their executive function's not 100%. And so you've got this celebrity who from time to time says something brilliant, but he also says a whole heap of stuff that is so damaging and so negative and they can't filter through it all. And they just, there's this idolization process that comes with that celebrity status and they hang on every word and that idea that because he's so popular, I just want to be like everybody else. Everybody knows what his latest thing is. Everyone knows what he's talking about and I want to be that. I actually don't know where to go with that because I can see in so many ways we have come so far as a society in relation to our ideology around women and men and gender in general and, you know, what is deemed respectful across the board, whether it be in the work environment, the school environment, the home environment. And yet we've got somebody out here who is like literally out on his own limb and he's building traction. What does that say about where we are? It says a lot about the algorithms, quite honestly. I mean, the algorithms reward people who are transgressive. The algorithms reward people who are inciting outrage and inflaming and stoking fires of frustration. And it's so, all about numbers. Very, very much. I think that if this guy had appeared on the scene before the algorithms do what they do, he would have just been put into a box and everyone would have walked away from him. But the algorithms have actually lifted him and elevated him because that's one of the, um, I, I was going to say unforeseen, but I'm not sure if that's quite the right word, but that's one of the side effects of having the social media world that we have. My interest here, as we try to deal with this guy whose viewpoints surrounding hypermasculinity and misogyny and homophobia and racism, our, our kids continue to be, be exposed to him and those of his ilk. I think what we really need to do is spend some time talking just in the last minute or two of the podcast about what we can do as parents if our kids start to talk about this guy and maybe even suggest that they have a level of interest, a level of compulsion, a level of um, fascination with him. And, And my number one thing would be, I would say, so you like Andrew Tate, why don't, we, why don't we sit down and watch some of it together? Like I would literally sit and watch a couple of videos together and find the original stuff. Don't find people's reaction videos on YouTube. Go and find a couple of original pieces and listen to what he says. Listen to what he says in interviews. Listen to what he said on a podcast. And as he says things, pause every time he makes a claim and ask your child, is that healthy? Is that safe? Is that consistent with the values that we've raised you with? And you'll find that I reckon about 40, 50, maybe even 60% of the time, you'll nod your head and go, yeah, yeah, it it actually, it is. And then he'll say something at the end of a sentence, usually, where everyone will just go, holy cow, is this guy for real? And that's when you get to say to your kiddo, and what about that? And and you'll watch your child maybe squirm a little bit and say, oh, yeah, but. And you say, no, 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 not oh, yeah, but. The first half of the sentence was probably okay, but the second half of the sentence, and here's the analogy that I like. I would say to my kids, okay, so 50% of it's good and 50% of it's rank. If I made you a cookie, a chocolate chip cookie, with 50% real ingredients and 50% dog poo, would you eat the cookie? 
the answer's going to be no. No one's going to eat a 50% dog poo cookie. And if Andrew Tate even comes in at 10% or 20%, and I can assure you, having watched what I've watched, that it's worse than that, uh, no one's going to be eating that cookie if it's a real-life cookie. So therefore, why are we consuming his content and just writing it off? It's not helpful. My sense is that if we have those kinds of gentle but honest conversations with the kids and show, hey, we're big enough, we're grown-ups, we can listen to this stuff and then pick it apart, teach them how to critique it, that's where we're going to get the cut through. And then the question becomes, so if this comes up at school or if everyone's talking about it, what do you reckon is the best way to respond and get the kids involved in the problem-solving? That's where we make the progress and that's where we, we get to help our children, even though they're differentiating from us in their adolescent years particularly, we get them to consider what their values really are and respond to us with useful and proper conversations. So even though you haven't articulated this very clearly in in your response, I'm going to suggest that one of the most important things in having these conversations with our kids is about being able to come into the conversation almost non-biased. I think it's even better than that. Come in and say, I'm not really across this, but let's let's learn about this together. Don't come in as the expert. Come in as the the interested, I'm worried and I, I'm hearing things. Let's investigate. Let's figure it out together. It's really as easy as a parent when you're worried about things to kind of come across angry oh, yeah. or want to step down hard and, and put in rules and, you know, boundaries in place to keep our children safe. But when we're talking about teenagers and their absolute need for autonomy and – Um, independence, I think the most important thing for us to remember is that the more we can come at it as you suggested from that inquisitive framework, we're actually going to have more influence than we will if we come in as the parent who's stepping down hard. Yeah, because force creates resistance. That's it. So we really hope that this has been a useful conversation uh, for those of you who are not across the guy. Um, hopefully you don't even need to go and look him up and hopefully your kids aren't that interested. Remember, the stats are showing somewhere between 25 and 33% of kids, our teenage boys are looking up to him. That means that a whole lot of boys actually recognise that he is what he is, which is a, a human who who is not living and encouraging values that are consistent with what we would hope. And therefore, that means that a lot of a lot of us are not going to find this relevant. But hopefully, for those of us who are struggling with it or wanted to know more, there's enough here to just be that little bit more helpful for you. The Happy Families Podcast is produced by Justin Rulon from Bridge Media. Craig Bruce is our executive producer. If you'd like more info about how to make your family happier, please visit us at happyfamilies.com.au. 